1: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we are right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City, and El Trompito is back on the road with four new rallies scheduled, and we'll get to that in the second segment. But first, I want to talk about how I got in my car on Thursday. And uh, this is the weekend edition, by the way. Welcome to the weekend edition of This is America. And I got in the car and I turned on the radio and I was listening to Hot 97 in the morning. I wanted to hear a couple of hip hop tracks and, uh, you know, I bounce around the radio. I like listening to morning talk. I love my guys, Bernie and Sid. And during the commercial breaks, I like to hear what's going on with the hip hop station because hip hop is my favorite genre. Now, interestingly, I turn it on and there's no music playing. There's political talk going on, which is exactly the reason I don't listen to that anymore. And I think a lot of people don't listen to it as much because it gets overtly political on Hot 97. But Ebro, who's the uh, the PD there, and he's the uh, one of the hosts, he's talking about Eric Adams. And Eric Adams is a former cop in New York who's currently the Brooklyn Borough president, and he's running for mayor in New York City. They're saying that he sh- that they were shocked. I want you to listen to this. Also learned yesterday from
2: an article that said Eric Adams used to be a Republican. No, you were today years really? old. You were yesterday years old. Mm. Yeah. In the 90s, I guess he was a registered Republican. But in the article, and this is something we got to have Adams on the show about. In the article, it said he never actually voted for a Republican, but he was registered as a Republican. What? Hmm. Uh- Okay. And now people are on the attack on Eric Adams because he's leading in some of the newer polls. So Meyer Wiley's team and Yang's team and everyone are basically saying Eric Adams is a flip flopper. You would question you would be like, I'm not voting for that. Look, I Which still got. Do go- I talked to Eric Adams job. about it. I still got a problem that he put up them billboards in Brooklyn telling young <laughs> black men to put they, pull their pants up. I was like, that's not how you do that. I know you've been bringing that up for a minute. I mean, you know, because I'll never forget that because I feel like as as you aiming as, at kids. Yeah, like why are us. you outing kids? Why are you outing young black men on a public platform like that? I feel like that's one of the as an elder, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to do that.
1: Man, nah, I don't like your support of stop and frisk.
2: Yeah, he was on that too, right? Yeah, look, the man got (laughs) flaws. The man got flaws. But
1: like I said, I, I don't, you know, I don't get heavy into politics. But it was the incredulity in their voices when they were saying things like, Can you believe that Eric Adams was a Republican? And in my head, I'm thinking, it's it's not unbelievable for a person of color, or what they call now a BIPOC, not to be confused with Tupac, but BIPOC, black indigenous person of color. The things they come up with that a BIPOC or a black person or a brown person, whatever you want to call us nowadays, that uh, someone of this persuasion can be a Republican. Moreover, it was even more shocking to me that they were not only this heightened sense of incredulity, but it was also like, how dare you? How could a black person, how could he? have ever been a Republican. Now, of course, he didn't own it and embrace it, which I think in politics, most people don't realize, that's really what you ought to do. If they catch you with your hand in a cookie jar, you should be like, mm-hmm, I like cookies, right? That's what El Trumpito has shown us. And and I think many have shown us for, uh, prior to that. But part of the big issue is that Trump, him yeah, by the, yep, sorry, locker room talk next, and, and that's how you do it. You keep it moving. But Eric Adams started to dance around it and backtrack and say, well, you know, I was registered as a Republican, but I never voted for a Republican and tried to, you know, it's kind of like Bill Clinton, listen, I smoked pot, but I did not inhale. These things are ridiculous. But anyway, this is what uh, I thought was really interesting was that they were so shocked. And I'm thinking, how is it that even if this is a small segment of the population or maybe a big segment of the population here in New York, New Jersey, uh, this area, this is where I think we get really, really um, into the weeds. Where you have a large swath of the population that says, you know, Republicans are bad. It's wrong to be a Republican. I mean, it's almost to the point where it's, it's wrong to be a cop. We talked about that a couple episodes ago, right? Where they, they said, look, you can be a cop, but if you're gay and a cop, you can't, you can't be gay anymore. You're not allowed to march in the gay parade. You're out. So now Eric Adams, by all accounts, a black man, <laughs> by all accounts, a black man who's a Democrat and uh, has some progressive views and some moderate views, is now being beat up by the folks on Hot 97 because how dare he ever have been a Republican? Now, one of the uh, other uh, contributors on the show was saying, well, you know, this is what's keeping him off of my top five. And he's and when they talk about the top five, they're talking about what New York now has uh, is uh, rank choice voting. So you could say, well, you know what? I'm going to go with Mr. Jizzle. He's my top choice for mayor. Uh, but then I'm going to go with, you know, if I, if he's not that great, I'm going to go with James. And if James doesn't work out, well, I'm going to go with Molly. And, you know, up until your fifth choice, be like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go with that guy, the guy I just left the studio, old guy. That guy, he is going to be uh, my fifth choice for uh, New York City. Now, listen, th- that I-, I don't even like this idea of ranked choice voting. And maybe I'll call up my buddy Frank Morano to see if he could uh, pop in on the show. Because Frank is, uh, I'm going to call him an expert on this ranked choice voting stuff because it's a little bit convoluted, but it's a pretty simple idea. I just think it's a stupid one. People vote for people. And if you don't get enough votes, you have a runoff. And this is like to to prevent runoffs, which I think is stupid. That's like the democratic process. We vote. And if it doesn't work, we vote again. That's what we do. We vote. But anyway, this is, to me, the, the big issue. We've beaten people up for the views that they take. It's not just disagreement. We're into the weeds now. Way into the weeds. So, they called him a man about town. They were saying, well, Eric Adams is a man about town. You know, you, you see him in the community. You see him here. And I'm thinking, how is it that they can do 20 minutes or a 15-minute segment talking about what's going on, running for mayor of New York, and not once do they mention my buddy Curtis Slewa. Not a single time do they bring him up. A guy who's been in the streets, on the subways, got shot five times here in New York City for fighting crime, for going against people. Not a single mention about Curtis Lewa running for mayor, who, in my opinion, is probably the most solid candidate. Not probably. I mean, that is my opinion. (laughs) He is the most solid candidate. That one left me uh, somewhat baffled. And I guess I shouldn't be baffled. I should know that this is what they do and they're spewing their opinions. That's fine. I spew my opinions here. Moreover, they're really pushing one-sided thought. When I get on the mic... I make fun of Jen Back Pasaki. I play what she said. I play what Joe Elbaboso Biden had to say. I play what all these people say so that you can hear it. Then I give you my part and you make your choices on, you know, okay, she said that, he said that. And speaking of Jen Back Pasaki, Now she's falsely claiming that a number of officers died on January 6th in Capitol Hill. I want you to listen to this.
0: About 15 days ago, I think, Michael Fanone, who is a D.C. Metropolitan police officer who was there on January the 6th, uh, was beaten, tased. They stole his badge, you know, suffered a lot of trauma. He says that he still is living through. He says he sent you a letter about 15 days ago, talking about the emotional anxiety that he still struggles with on a daily basis and saying it's time to fully recognize the actions of the officers on that day. So I was just wondering if the White House has a response to him. I'm happy to check on the status of the letter. Uh, Obviously, the president's um, view is that the number of officers who lost their lives paid a tremendous sacrifice uh, for uh, on a day that will uh, be a stain on our democracy for many years
1: to come. So we know that there was one officer that died and the autopsy from the D.C. police came out and it said that the guy died of a stroke and his family corroborated that. We know that to be a fact, but they lie because this is what they do. Just like Ebro wants to lie. I shouldn't say lie, right? Ebro has his opinion and that's fine. I'm not attacking Ebro. But I I just think that the way these people, the leftists, Present these facts as if it's just somehow always whatever they make it to be, and that's it. And it's funny how on our side that's not the case. I mean, we have options. I will play any audio that I can to make the case that we're not one-sided. I have I'm one-sided in my view, but I always give you the other side, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. So whether it's the um, anti-Semites, the people that are doing the work of the white supremacist Nazis, which now apparently there's a lot of people doing the work of the white supremacist Nazi. It's no longer the white supremacist Nazi, but it's still their M.O. It's still to hate and bash the Jew. And that's still a thing, even if they call it BDS, And they try to make it all fancy pants and make it sound like boycotts and sanctions and divestments from uh, Israeli or Jewish owned companies or industries or whatever and what have you is the right thing to do. But I want you to listen to this quick clip from Omar Barghouti, who is the founder of the BDS movement. Check this out.
3: BDS uh, does not uh, support any political solution, one state, two states, or five states. All we are saying is that if we stick to international law and human rights of everyone, an end to Israel's occupation, end of its denial of refugee rights, and an end to its apartheid regime are an absolute necessity to achieve a just peace, freedom, justice, and equality for Palestinians. Now, Ending an apartheid regime only ends the apartheid regime. It's uh, why should Palestinians care about maintaining an apartheid regime? Did apartheid, when when apartheid ended in South Africa, did that end the existence of South Africans? No, it just ended an unjust, oppressive system. When Jim Crow ended in in the United States South, did that end the existence of Alabama? No, it ended a very racist, institutionalized racist system. That's exactly what we're calling for.
1: What's interesting here is that Jim Crow really was a thing. The Jim Crow South is a thing. Apartheid South Africa was a thing. Israel being apartheid or having apartheid laws is not a thing. As best as I know. Now, I, every last Palestinian that I've met, or, or people that are pro-Palestine or pro-Hamas, I should say, they will argue the opposite of that. But the truth remains, there is no law against that. When Netanyahu doesn't let uh, Omar and Talib into Israel because they are part of this movement, which is against their country, I believe that is his right. I don't think that's apartheid. It's nothing like what happened in South Africa. And when you talk to people that live in Israel, they're not all Jews. There's lots of Arabs that live there. And they'll they'll be the first ones to tell you. I've met some Iranians that are from Israel. And they'll tell you, look, even the Palestinians like the Jews. It's just Hamas. It's just uh, the Palestinian Authority, which was originally the PLO. It's this one militant group of terrorists that want to extinguish the existence of the juice. But I'm not going to beat that dead horse. Uh, without further ado, I want to jump into the next segment where we're going to talk about El Trompito and him going back on the road because I think it's important that we do that. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. We are just getting started. This is America.
2: This is America. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the generation passes the torch of truth, liberty and justice, in an unbroken chain all the way down to the present. That torch is now
0: in our hands and we will use it to light up the world. I am here tonight to deliver a message of unity and strength and it is a message
2: deeply delivered from my heart. A new chapter Of American greatness is now beginning.
1: A new national pride is sweeping across our nation. And a new surge of optimism is placing impossible dreams firmly within our grasp. What we are witnessing today is the renewal
3: of the American spirit.
1: The renewal of the American spirit is El Trumpito coming back on the road. That's right. You heard it here. And it's funny, I'm, I'm talking about this, I normally would talk about bigger and, uh, you know, uh, bigger, more important topics. I don't think it's a hugely important topic that Trump is back on the road, but I do in, in, the same, uh, in the same vein. And the reason why is because it's not that, oh, because I'm a Trump sycophant and because Trump's back on the road, that's big news. No, that's not really the case. What really is the case is that while it may not be important in and of itself that Trump is going to speak to people, to me, there's something larger at play. Right. And what's larger and is at play is the fact of what a Trump rally is. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And then there's a lot of people that do. I know I'm speaking weird here. Right. I'm saying yellow is yellow, but yellow is not. Right. I'm just making these crazy statements. And here's what I'm saying. I always say, I I love Trump, Trump's terrific, but this isn't about Trump, it's about America. The Trump rally signifies all that was great about America. Now you're thinking, Rich, it's a bunch of Klansmen. The red hat is the new red hood. How could you say that? Well, I say that because you know what, when I was a kid, there were certain values that we had where you kept your neighborhood safe, you kept your neighborhood clean, you kept your neighborhood intact. There was this neighborhood and sense of community that we don't have today anymore. And you get that vibe when you're around the Trumpers. When you go to the Trump rally, there's this energy that I guess if you haven't been to one, you probably would never have felt and you don't know it. But these are really amazing people. And they're always very different from you. White, black, um, Asian. You na- I've met so many different types and stripes of Trumpers out there. But again, not about Trump. What this is about is how... It's really about restoring the fabric of America. It's really about not to steal a line from the great one, but it's America's town meeting, right? The America's town hall meeting is the Trump rally. You've got 15 or 20,000 people that are Democrats, that are Republicans, that are all sorts of things. And what they decide to do is get together to celebrate America. So when Trump talks, you hear him talk. He's saying, That he's going to make America strong again, he's going to make America safe again, he's going to make America great again. It's not him, it's the movement. And I think people uh, really just misread that time and time again. So I think the fact that there's going to be rallies uh, led by a former president where we can celebrate this national pride. And again, I, I already hear my critics saying, you know, that's funny, Rich, that's exactly what the Nationalist Socialist Party did in Germany. Remember that? And Adolf Hitler was incredibly charismatic and he would fill stadiums and give these big rallies. This is not the same, (laughs) not not in any way. Trump has never, ever called for for gas chambers and to say that these people, whether they would be black or Jew, that are, are ruining society. The only thing he's ever called out is the deep state. So, yes, if you do want to say that we are othering, quote unquote, the deep state, then sign me up. I think we should all other the deep state. I think the deep state should be tarred and feathered. Yep. In the words of the great one, that's right. I said it. I really do believe that should happen, but I'm not calling for violence. And I don't want anybody to play this tape back and say, Rich, what's wrong with you? Why are you telling people to tar and feather their elected officials that they don't like? I'm not really saying that. I mean, I think there's a way to tar and feather somebody today. You can go out there with uh, with a sign with you know with, with, that has tar and feathers on it and, and make the case. We don't have to be barbarians. I believe in civility. But my point is, yeah, we should call out what is wrong. And I'm happy that Trump's back on the road. And I just want to read you like a paragraph from this article in the New York Post because this was announced earlier this week. And I just felt like it really went uh, by the wayside very quickly. I was like, yeah, Trump's back on the road. All right, thanks. Because the media doesn't want you to know that he's back out there. But the headline here, Trump to hold rallies in Florida, Georgia, Ohio, and North Carolina. Former President Donald Trump Revealed on Thursday that he will hold campaign-style rallies in four battleground states in the coming weeks as speculation swirls that he'll mount another bid for the White House in 2024. Relatively soon, we'll be doing one in Florida. We'll be doing one in Ohio. We're going to do one in Georgia. We're going to do one in North Carolina, Trump said to One American News. We'll be announcing them very soon over the next week or two, and I think we'll probably start in Florida and Ohio. We'll be announcing the rallies very shortly. So uh, amen to that. I'm glad that El Trompito is back on the road because this is, I think, what America needs. When you talk about Biden, that we need unity, we need healing, and all he does is divide, divide, and divide. You've got everybody, we, we, you know, I, I get so... tongue-tied on stuff like this, because it honestly does get me a little bit angry. You have Biden's rhetoric, and and no, I'm not incensed, I'm not part of Outrage Inc., I don't, everything's not the end of the world. Politics is politics and people are going to lie. But I think Biden really, really, really is missing the mark here. You've got Lori Lightfoot, she is out there saying that she's only going to do interviews with black and Hispanic, black and brown, black and brown, black and brown, right? So she's saying that that's the only uh, media that she'll accept interviews from. Okay, understood. Now, I do believe that choosing people based on their skin color, at least as I was taught, it was racism. That has been redefined. You can now pick people based on their race without it being racism because racism is something that only white people can be. This is what I've heard from a friend of mine who's a leftist and an attorney and explained to me that you must have power over the other person. It's kind of like sexual harassment, right? So you can ask somebody out for a date if they're your colleague, but if you're the boss and that's your employee, you can no longer do that because then it's like, oh my gosh, this is sexual harassment. You could deny them a promotion and you can do this and you can do that. So now we have a problem. So this is the same thing. Uh, that they now have added to racism. So it's no longer like, look, I am um, going to say that you can't do this because you're a certain color. That all of a sudden is no longer considered racism. And I think to myself, you know, why? Why is that the case? Like, is it because we just want to make people feel guilty? Feel guilty because of the color of their skin? Is that something that we do? Is it just? To do that is it just to treat people differently because of their race? Where is the justice in social justice? Is it appropriate to support racial or ethnic supremacy? Well, social justice or wokeness or critical race theory, all of them do just that. They're they're signaling that they don't like this race because of whatever reason. So I don't like white people because 150 years ago they were slave owners or they participated in, in, and again, massively um, creating a monolith here, right? Because there's a lot of white people fr- from the founding of our country that were abolitionists. But this is getting lost in the conversation, and and that's where we are. So I think you know this is a, a serious problem, and it really doesn't withstand. The, the scrutiny that you would put to something like this. For example, they say that, uh, you know, we we don't have enough people uh, on our board. Every, every day on the news, every single day, there's a different story about, oh, today, this board doesn't have this enough people of, of color. It doesn't have enough people of color in their executive uh, uh, ranks. It doesn't have enough people of color uh, in their immediate workforce, whatever the case may be. So I was... Scrolling through Instagram and I saw the Hollywood conservative, Amanda Head, who's uh, really cool, has a great program on Real America Voice television network. And she has this uh, this funny meme or maybe it's just an actual like real thing. (laughs) But it says, resign for diversity. White people who believe in their profession, who believe that their profession needs more, quote unquote, diversity, should resign and give up their positions to members of underrepresented groups. Be the quit in equity. I thought this was genius and it has quit in red letters and the quit in equity also in red letters. And it's, it's in your face satirical common sense that just, to me, makes an excellent case for exactly what we're doing and exactly why we need to do it. Because if you're going to complain about this problem, then fix the problem, if it's in fact a problem. And, and this is, I think, I wish I had the words sometimes. <laughs> I really, I'm at a loss for words because I just think how ridiculous these things are. And you have to put them in ridiculous terms. If I went to the butcher, right? I've told you before, I grew up in Brooklyn. It was a very mixed neighborhood, very mixed. But moved to Jersey, not very mixed at all. I mean, mixed in terms of Dominicans, Cubans, um, Hondurans, all sorts of different Hispanics, yes. But were there others other than Hispanic? Not really. I mean, you got 37th Street, 38th Street, Union City. That's a Jewish section. Uh, that's it. There's a there's a Hasidic uh, school there. And there's a few blocks that are totally owned by Hasidic Jews. But you're talking two blocks out of everything else. There is no black neighborhood in, in the majority of the towns in, you know, West New York, Guttenberg, North bergen it's just not. uh, The black neighborhoods are more in Jersey City and Newark. There's quite an amount, I'm going to say, of self-segregation, just neighborhoods that happen to be. It's kind of like saying, are there a lot of black people in Chinatown? No, there's a lot of Chinese people in Chinatown, right? Is, uh, Is there a lot of Chinese people in Little Italy, even though they're right next to each other? No, most of the restaurants in Little Italy are not Chinese restaurants, they're Italian restaurants. That's the point I'm making. People kind of create community. They create neighborhoods. Like, you know, that's just how it is. Anyway, I bring that up because when you would go to the butcher, when I lived in West New York, New Jersey, to the supermarket, everybody spoke Spanish. And if I were to walk in there and go, you know, I find it odd here that you guys don't have any Asian American or African American butchers. Why aren't there any Asian American or African American butchers? And I feel like if I were to stand somewhere where I could actually find Asians or African Americans and ask them, why aren't you a butcher at my bodega? I think they would tell me because I don't want to be a butcher in your bodega. I don't speak Spanish. It's a very Hispanic area. Okay. Is that enough? I think that is the main reason why people say, oh, these are this is an underrepresented population. It's underrepresented because perhaps those people don't want to represent there. Jeez. Anyway, I want to get into a few other things, so keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America.
2: This is America.
1: He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. What's up? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And is there such a thing as an independent investigation? Well, I bring that up because I've been torturing myself lately by watching CNN for an hour or two a day just to see what's going on. And I figure, you know what? That's the best way to tackle... The, the crap that they spew is to just hear what they, ha, what they have to say and then, you know, do it. I used to just monitor it. You know, we have a few TVs up in the studio, so I would just, you know, monitor that and a few other channels. But CNN is really off the rails. MSNBC is also off the rails. Maybe I'll watch them a little bit more next week. But I turned on CNN and their Sunday shows are on and you had State of the Union and I believe it was Dana Bash. And if it's not, then forgive me. But I thought to myself, is there such a thing as an independent investigation? Now, on the show, she's got Representative Peter Meyer, and it's spelled Mijer, it's like the European Y sound, M-E-I-J-E-R, so it's not Mijer or Major, it's Meyer, but he's a Republican from Grand Rapids, Iowa, and he was there saying that McConnell is playing right into Pelosi's hand. Then she goes on to say that, She agrees with him that they should have this independent investigation into what happened on January 6th. And I find it really interesting because he makes the case that if Pelosi gets her way, she'll have an unending congressional select committee, kind of like the Republicans did for Benghazi, that will last for years. And if you remember, the Benghazi uh, hearings They went on for three years. There were, I think, 13 hearings in a row uh, where, you know, they brought in Hillary Clinton. They brought in everybody they could. And he's saying we could avoid that if we vote for this independent investigation where we have outside people conduct the investigation. Now, my thinking is, I think we've done this already. But John Harwood was also on CNN today. And he says that there is no good reason, none, to oppose the Democrats' January 6th commission. I want you to listen to his thoughts. Uh, Look, remember
0: how Mitch McConnell
1: said there's no doubt, none, that
0: President Trump uh, inspired uh, and encouraged this insurrection? There is no good reason, none, for a member of Congress to oppose a bipartisan commission to investigate an attack on the Congress, attack On American democracy. Uh, If it makes your party look bad because your party's implicated in what happened, that's too bad. And if you can't put country over party, as John McCain liked to to say uh, in a situation like this, uh, what that means is there are a lot of people walking around the Congress who like to project the image of patriotic Boy Scouts who are defining themselves as anti-American by opposing this inquiry.
1: Okay, so now what I'm going to say is, I played this cut because my thought on all of this is, didn't we already have an independent investigation? Isn't the FBI a nonpartisan organization that investigates these crimes? Didn't the FBI look into this and imprison like a thousand people or arrest a thousand people, charge a thousand people? Aren't a whole bunch of them behind bars right now? Solitary confinement, 23 hours, 24 hours a day. Or 22 hours a day, I should say? Yes, the answer is yes to all of them. I'm right on all accounts here. Thank you, everybody. Ding, ding, ding. I am correct, sir. So if the FBI is doing this now, of course, there's a whole bunch of people that I know that would say, oh, the FBI is not independent and this and that. And that's why I started asking the question is there such a thing as an independent investigation? And I think that there can be. And checks and balances are great. But if we are, if we're going to have people that are going to jail. This is being adjudicated in a court of law. Why on earth do we need this independent commission? Now, they keep saying a 9-11-styled commission. 9-11 was a mass casualty event, right? Planes, missiles, whatever it was. Buildings blown up in Washington. Buildings destroyed in New York City. So when you have a situation like that and you want to look at how the government failed, you can do that. Now, here you can say, well, Rich, the government failed. Yeah, you're right. The government failed. And if we want to get to the bottom of Pelosi's failures as Speaker of the House, then we may want to look into it. At least that's what this guy Meyer was saying. And again, he's a rhino and he's on CNN. And he wasn't there saying anything good. I mean, the guy looked like he was seriously, seriously suffering from low testosterone, even though he had a beard on his face. He, he just he was all sorts of uh, pussification, if you will. I mean, he really, really was weak. I can totally see this guy getting primaried and good and good, rightfully so. I don't care that I disagree with him. I I think what matters is you want a congressperson. Listen, I'm not a uh, fan of Rashida Tlaib or AOC, but I'll tell you this. If they were my congressperson and I was a progressive, I would applaud them. I'd be like, bro, she's fighting for what I believe in. She's in their face. Day one. Day one. Of AOC's congressional career, she joined a sit-in in Speaker Pelosi's office. Day one. Now, listen, I ridicule her. I criticize her. But one thing I'm, I'm not going she takes on these issues. And she's wrong on every single one of them. She's all out crazy wrong. But she does it. And then you got Republicans like this guy, Mayer, Meyer, excuse me, with a J, Mayer with a J. And he's there and he's just like, we got to talk about the things that matter, like climate change. I wish you could have heard this. It was this morning. I didn't have time to grab the audio or even send it to Mr. Jizzle, So you missed it. It was on State of the Union. If you want to watch the replay and give them ratings, go right ahead. But the guy was terrible. And maybe I'll give him a shot. Maybe I'll try to invite him on the show and maybe he'll come on and we can talk about it. And I could say, why don't you take a more aggressive stance on anything? Why don't you, uh, you know, put your big boy pants on and instead of going on CNN uh, and, and... playing to their narrative, push back a little bit, even if you want to disagree. But in effect, he was on there saying McConnell's bad, McConnell's bad, which is usually what I'm saying, right? But when McConnell says he's pretty much going to kill this thing in the Senate, that they're not going to have this independent commission, that it's not necessary. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on any of it. I don't know if it's necessary or not. I think that people are being investigated. I think there were some failures of government that do need to be addressed. Those failures in particular came from Nancy Pelosi doing whatever she could do to make this as bad as it could be. Hamstringing the Capitol Police. I mean, all of that stuff was true. So should there be a hearing into that? Yeah. And I, but the way I see it, we take back the House. 2022. We put them under oath. We do what we got to do. We subpoena them and we, we get their side of the story because we already have a framework for this stuff. You have the criminal justice part of it. That's the FBI. It's the DOJ. They do their part. And then we have Congress doing oversight. They do their part. Now we have to add an extra layer and an extra commission. I don't, to me, this is not that extraordinary. And I think that's part of the problem here is Congress is trying to, I guess, overstate or really justify their importance and how you can never, ever, ever come into the halls of Congress and threaten us again. How dare you, we the people, break into our building? And listen, and I'm not saying people should do it. But I am saying, I think the Congress people that are all on board for this are afraid for their lives. They are afraid for their lives that they're they're jerking people around, they're ruining people's lives, and now they're like, oh no, 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 we can't have this again. This it's an insurrection, you see. Meanwhile, when we had insurrection, they were they were happy with that. So I think that is um, you know, well, I'll say this. It's all out crazy, and I want you to hear from her. Listen to this. All out crazy, cut five. This was an all-out attempted coup. Mike Pence was taken out of the Senate chamber something like 60 seconds before uh, these terrorists and insurrectionists got into the Senate chamber. 60 seconds could have meant potentially the difference between what we have right now in a Marshall State. And we don't want to acknowledge that that's how close we got, but that is how close we got. We think of coups as something that happens in quote-unquote banana republics or in the developing or quote-unquote third world. And it happened here. All-out coup from all-out crazy. She's catching on to my acronyms. You see, all-out crazy, here's the problem. I don't think this wasn't a coup. Um, It just, it doesn't fit the bill. A bunch of guys with mace and flagpoles. Now, listen. I'm not saying these guys did damage. They could have done more damage. Uh, I think that, you know, you guys all know, everybody hates me for this, but if I were the Capitol Police officer that was barricaded behind a door telling people to stay back because the Vice President of the United States was in this building and in my jurisdiction as a Capitol Hill cop, and I see you breaking a window and climbing through it, armed, unarmed, legged, no legged, whatever you've got, you, I tell you, stop or I'll shoot. And you keep coming, what do you think I'm going to do? I am so sorry. And I thank Miss Babbitt for her service. I really do. God bless her. The whole thing is bad and it's unfortunate. But I, I'm not going to sit here and uh, pretend that I would not have done the same thing as I would have. And if you're never going to listen to me again, then I guess so be it. But I have to tell the truth. That's how it goes. This wasn't a coup. This was a major riot that broke out in our nation's capital. And we've seen riots break out in other state houses across America, and they never had independent commissions, and they didn't do any of these crazy things. But the vice president of the United States was not there, and they weren't counting the electoral college votes. So I get it, and that's that, that's what they're hanging their hat on—that these people went in there to slow it down, to stall it, to to put a wrench in the gears of justice, continuing to move forward, or the the gears of liberty and freedom and our constitution. I don't buy it because. I, What riot? I mean, they're just going to move them somewhere else, do it via Zoom, do it however they were going to do it. They were going to do it. That's the point. But irrespective of that fact, this is why they keep saying it's an insurrection, it's an attack on democracy. I think a true attack on democracy is when a democratic people elect someone to serve in office, and then through undemocratic means, people usurp the will of the people through lawsuits, they usurp the will of the people through trickery and chicanery at the ballot box, doing what they did to win the 2020 election. That's why I always tell you that you have to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't do nothing. Stand up. I'm not calling for an all-out crazy, all-out coup, but I am calling on you to do more than you've been doing and get more people to do it with you. Hasta la proxima, America. Until next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This
2: is America.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site